louder. Recording live from the Black Lodge, it's me, the free will burning, head turning, ass kicking, machismo dripping, master podcasting, mouthpiece of the Southeast, uncontested superstar of the airwaves, and your reigning and defending podcast champion of the world, Brandon A. Lane, bringing you another episode of You Just Got Busted, a real Ghostbusters podcast. Tonight, we've got the PKE scanning for an impish metamorph in the season three episode, The Copycat. Then we'll be crossing the streams on Busters in Toyland, featuring Lewis Tully and his insufferable nephew from season six. We got tons of positively charged mood slime on the way, but first, here's some messages from our sponsors. The real Ghostbusters will return after these messages. Ghostbusters! Each sold separately. Break out the new equipment! Ghost Trap set. Ecto goggles down. It's Marshmallow Man! Ecto bubble ready! Neutrono blaster charged! Roast him! Got him! We ain't getting him! It's the Ghost Trap from the real Ghostbusters. New from Kenner. We now return to the real Ghostbusters. Alright, welcome back, Rant Army. I hope you're ready to show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown, because tonight we got a date with a ghost. I'm your host, Brandon A. Lane, and joining me tonight to discuss episode 88 of the real Ghostbusters is my mortal enemy and greatest foe, (laughs) Titty Flippin' Travis. Hey, everybody. It's really so, scraping the barrel here and pulling me in for this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, I I figure, you know, we'll we'll settle our our beef through uh, popular discourse of a 30-year-old animated series. See, Fat Tony's not here. Bitch. <laughs> Fat Tony has bigger fish to fry. Um, my, my first question is, uh, aside from the... Obviously, the classic 1984 movie. What is your relationship with the real Ghostbusters animated series? Is this something you watched as a kid? I watched it as a kid. Um, I was not um, as heavy into Ghostbusters as you you are, but uh, I do remember watching it um, just sporadically from time to time. Like, I'd watch the reruns or something like that, but I wasn't an everyday avid watcher. I was more of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle kid. Well, we'll we'll get into your Saturday morning uh, viewing habits in just a bit. So, this episode, which is called Copycat, uh, the original air date was December 12th, 1987. So, how old were you in 1987? December 12th, I was exactly three months old. So... Yeah, nine twelve eighty seven is my birthday. Jesus Christ, yeah. you make me feel old. So, yeah, three months old to the day. Well, that's funny because I would be three years old yeah. uh, in 1987. Uh, the December air date puts us right into the thick of the Christmas season. Now, I don't have any specific memories from this particular year, but I, like many others in my generation, have like a huge nostalgia for Christmas, mm-hmm. it just in general. So, what year was your favorite Christmas, and what did you get? My favorite Christmas is probably... 1997, because I got my huge Jack-specific ring with, uh, like, a bunch of wrestling figures. I got 
I want to say I got a Nintendo 64 that year. That might have been 98. I can't remember. It's one of the two. But I know I got my Big Jack's ring and a ton of figures. And like I, like Bone Cruncher era. Yeah, Bone Cruncher era. And that was like just, I got Power Rangers and that. And that was like my favorite Christmas of all time. And then and then as I started getting older, it was into the game systems. You got the new one almost every year. Or you, you got games to go with your system. But 97 is probably the crux of my childhood years of being... Christmas. My favorite <laughs> Christmas memory uh, would be the Christmas, I want to say of, it was maybe 92 or 93, I can't remember exactly, but like the X-Men figures were like super, super popular. Like they had the, anim- the animated cartoon? Yes, yeah. they had started cranking those out. And my, my parents, in preparation for Christmas, like they didn't get me a lot throughout the year. I'd get a few things on my birthday, but they really try to go all out for Christmas. And usually that's because my dad would get a bonus around that time. Mm-hmm. So in Newport, which is right down the road from the Black Lodge, there used to be a department store that was like not exactly a toy store, but they had predominantly like toys and they were going out of business. So they bought action figures for like, you know, three and five dollars a piece. Hasbro clearance sales. Well, it wasn't Hasbro's. They, they were, they were uh, you know, the, I don't even remember who made those. It'd be Toy Biz. Uh, yeah. Toy Biz, the same people who made uh, WCW, WCW figures, figures. Uh, to tie it back into wrestling. But I, I got up that morning and because they had got me so many, they, they made the, the call on the fly that they didn't want to spend, you know, a month wrapping like 50 action figures. Mm-hmm. So they just laid them under the tree. And I have this picture of me, like in what I can only call jubilation. My body was just glowing an aura of like, holy fuck, this is a department store worth of toys all in one place. It's like if a kid could have an orgasm, this would be it. Oh, I, yeah, (laughs) that's absolutely what happened. I I ejaculated pure joy all over the, all over the living room floor. I want to say that Christmas, my mom didn't wrap anything either. She, she just had it laid out. And I remember I walked into the room and then there, there all that stuff was the monster ring box and all that stuff. So I could just see it because you got to, Kind of look back on it, man. Like Jack's figures and stuff back then, they were like four dollars and ninety six cent. Like the sticker was printed on the top corner yeah. of the box. And if you buy those now, if you're a collector, that sticker's still on most of them. And it's wild to think like five bucks for a figure that. Jesus Christ, we're we're in the like you're looking get, if you can get an action figure for thirty dollars now. Yeah, quality one. Yeah, like not a, not a beater or something that's not gonna break in your hand. So, how old were you when you realized that Santa Claus wasn't real? the fuck are you talking about man uh, uh i would say i think it was probably around this time or the next year because i just remember seeing the presents like under my mom's bed and and it was like two weeks before christmas and i was like i kind of had an inkling but then i was like yeah i'm gonna get those on christmas so you morning. basically you basically had two modes of thought okay either my mom is santa claus mm. or my mom is making sure I have a good Christmas, Christmas. by sucking the D of Santa Claus. <laughs> she's she's already got the presents early because she's that good at it. But oh, she's good at that, it. That from ninety, I'd say around ninety seven, ninety eight is when I is when it she out. was best at it. Yeah, when she was best at it. <laughs> I, I think that was that was around the time about ten years old, nine, ten years old. I started figuring out that Santa wasn't all he was cracked up to be. I don't really. I don't really know when I stopped believing in Santa Claus. I I think it was just like a gradual 
erosion well, kind of thing. Yeah, because I can remember finding the presence, and that was my big clue. But, like, I'd heard it before then, you know, like, said it's not real, said it's not real. And but I was like, no, he's not. He brings presents every year. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Timmy. I saw, I saw him at the mall. He has a beard. I heard, I heard some stuff on top of my house. And then I started thinking, too, one day. I was like, I don't have a fireplace. We have a chimney because we had, like, old wood stuff. I was like, how the fuck's he getting in my house? Because like, your mom was opening the door and letting yeah. him slither in, <laughs> leaving out some cookies. Bonnie Lasseter giving him the VJ for my oh, Christmas. Oh, man. Thank you, Bonnie Lasseter. <laughs> I'm I'm Santa Claus now. What do you think about that? Fuck you. <laughs> my mom doesn't even know who you are. <laughs> All right. So there were only two episodes after the episode The Copycat in 1987, and neither of them were Christmas or holiday-themed episodes, surprisingly. Uh, do you think it was a missed opportunity not to do a holiday-specific episode? I felt like almost every cartoon did, so yeah, I feel like that is a missed opportunity. But it also doesn't date the episode, I guess you could say, either, or like timestamp it. That's true. But I, Turtles even had Christmas episodes. Well, there things. are Christmas episodes within the series, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it has to do with you know them because they're having to produce them so far in advance that it's hard to tell like when they're going to air Mm -hmm. so maybe maybe that's the the rationale and you don't want to air a christmas themed episode in july although some people celebrate christmas in july and that's when you get a subaru for uh, a reasonable (laughs) price (laughs) true all right um as two borderline geriatric fools who then were young and impressionable youths, or babies in the case of Travis, mm-hmm. uh, we witnessed lots of memorable things in the world of pop culture. So before we discuss the episode at hand, let's highlight what was going on in the world on December 12th, 1987. So on that day, what do you think the number one song in America was? Ooh. God. It's got to be something poppy. Is it like Madonna or something? No, maybe not. That's maybe too old. Madonna, like a virgin. No, that's like eighty four. You're, yeah. you're, you're I'm, maybe I'm I'm dating you're, myself. You're a few years off. Yeah, I'm bad off on that. My bad. Hit me with it. You know what's what's funny is as soon as I say this, I know the tirade you're gonna go on. Oh God! It's uh, Faith by George Michael. God. God, lip biscuit. Yes, go <laughs> ahead and make your fucking lip biscuit comments. <laughs> The lip, bi- lip biscuit made it better. I'm just gonna say that. No, right they now. didn't. Just gonna say that right now. Um, lip biscuit is the greatest band that Brandon will not admit he loves. I'm just saying that. Right I now. fucking hate <laughs> lip biscuit with a passion. The chainsaw what? Yeah, chainsaw what up your butt and and go <laughs> d- pr- line a ditch somewhere. I mean, you- it's pretty much what the song means. He, he's gonna cut you up with the chainsaw. I wish somebody would do that to him though. Yeah, he's a director now. Yeah, and he directed the worst movie of all time with John Travolta. So congratulations, you you fucking hack. George Michael, man, he's dead. Yep, not a, not a huge George Michael fan. How can you not be a George, huge George Michael fan? Just not a big George Michael fan. You, you weren't into Wham. No, Wham was not my bag, baby. <laughs> not my bag. Well, he was a big deal, uh, you know, in the the turn from the '80s into the '90s. Uh, number one album. You got any idea what it would have been? No, I'm just shoot. I'm gonna let you hit me with it. I don't know. The Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Oh fuck yeah, that makes sense though. That's a good soundtrack. If if you say so, <laughs> I mean, if you yeah, I can't believe you'd be like, oh yeah, Dirty Dancing soundtrack. That sounds great, but fuck that George Michael guy. Tons of talent. Listen to the Spicy season song on the fucking D- Dirty Dancing soundtrack. You if asshole. it is, if it's not fucking uh, Roadhouse, oh. or to a much lesser degree, Point Break. I don't give a shit about. <laughs> 
There's Patrick Swayze. There was an episode on Point Break. Something happened to it. It is uh, it is lost to time. What about Black Dog with Meatloaf? That's a that's a decent movie. I remember my sister bought that on VHS. I was like, what the fuck is this? It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the same premise as uh, Breakdown oh. with, uh, almost said Russell Crowe, with um, crap. Um, fucking uh, Snake Plissken. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Couldn't think of the fucking mm-hmm. name Freaking of it. Fat fuck Scott's going to be pissed at you. I know. I apologize. Kurt Russell, pretty awesome. All right. Well, speaking of Kurt Russell, this is not a tip off of this, but like, what do you think the number one movie in America was on December twelfth, nineteen eighty seven? Man, I don't know. I've already, I've, I've really thrown myself off now with the whole Madonna thing. So my years are out of whack. It's not Terminator, is it? No, that would be eighty four. Yeah, I'm seeing. I'm thinking eighty four is eighty seven for some reason. God, you're stupid. So dumb. Nope, I'm going to... Is it going to be Dirty Dancing? Nope. Uh, I'm sure at some point in 87, it probably was. But at this point, Three Men and a Baby is the number one oh, movie in America. Oh, fuck yeah. I love that movie. Now, although it would be dethroned the next day by Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> More of a Three Men and a Baby fan. You don't like Throw Mama from the Train? <laughs> three Men and a Baby all day. Tom Selleck, come on now. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong about this. I watched that movie all the time as a kid. I I'm sure. You, I'm sure you did. You have a three men and a little lady sucks. Why, did your mom put it on while she was banging Santa Claus? Probably. Keep me like keep my mind here, turned away. Here, watch the Steve Gutenberg movie while I get nailed to make to make sure you have a good Christmas. Yeah, fucking Cheers and fucking Steve Gutenberg and Cheers is a good show. Yeah, I did start watching Cheers one time, and then I was like, you know what? Just watch Frasier. It's better. No, it's not. <laughs> How dare you? You're wrong. The generational gap, although small between us, is so vast in the terms of like what I find appealing and what you find appealing because you're just flat out wrong. On I'm, this. I mean, I'm just telling you Frasier because I know you hate it. So you know. I don't hate Frasier. You hate Niles. I do hate Niles. <laughs> <laughs> Niles is so fucking cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I, I'm going to go out on a limb and to assume... That you do not remember seeing this particular episode as a kid? No, not as a kid. I do not remember seeing it right off the top of my head. Um, like I said, like I probably watched it, but just it doesn't. It didn't stick out like. Oh God! I I vaguely remember this episode, but it's definitely not one of the cornerstone episodes that like I would point to as like, oh, that's a great episode of the series. You mean this laughing fucking copycat uh, ghost is not a. Part of your life. We will definitely get to it. Let's talk about our cast. So we have Dave Coulier as Peter Venkman. Now, as we're watching this, I, I'm seeing Travis just like putting the pieces together of like, who is this guy? And obviously, he is the second Peter Venkman, having replaced Lorenzo. I'm sorry, Lorenzo Music, who was the voice of Garfield. So that's an entire what? yes, exactly. So both he and Bill Murray both voiced. Garfield. So we just got busted, busted, kind of. Exactly. That's like as a, a, a triple reverse uh, busted under your undercarriage, kind of busted. Yeah, because we were talking about it in here, and like the more I heard the voice, I was like, he just sounds like a knockoff Bill Murray. And then you were like, it's Dave Coulier, and I was like, makes fucking sense. Yeah, and I, I put two and two together as as I'm kind of explaining it to you that it's Uncle Joey, it's his voice, but it's Uncle Jesse's body. And they live in a full house. Boo. Boo. Yeah, I know, right. So as uh, 
Egon Spangler, we have Maurice LaMarche, who you probably remember as also voicing the brain and Pinky and the Brain yeah. and then always doing uh, tons of voice work. He was um, Orson Welles and Ed Wood, which is pretty much the same voice, but, you know, well, He's well like claimed. the brainy guy in everything he does, essentially. Wow, I'm glad you yeah. could put that two and two together. Yeah. What was it? Yeah. Is his name the brain? I think I think that's what did it. Maybe <laughs> if they named him, named him stupid, he'd be like, well, I don't understand this. Maybe, maybe, it's, sense. maybe it's his metrosexual hair. <laughs> maybe that's what did it for him. But that was literally the first note he wrote. <laughs> Blonde dude, metrosexual. <laughs> which is which is completely opposite to the character because he's so asexual. And there's like nothing sexual about him in the least. But then they draw him like he's going to be a stud. With the blonde hair. I think that's saying it's more. curly cute out. I think that's saying more about how you feel inside of you. He's saying, listen, he stepped out of Greece with blonde hair. He's saying. They have, shape up. They have uh, rat tails in Greece? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> You've never you seen Greece? I've not enough to remember if anybody has any rat tails. Okay, cool. Uh, Arsenio Hall is the voice of Winston Zedmore. I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the, the legendary story is that. Ernie Hudson auditioned for the role and they didn't give it to him. They gave it to Arsenio Hall. That's kind of a shit thing to happen to somebody, but Arsenio is great. Did like when he walked in there, did they not know that this is the man that actually played Zedmore? From from what and granted, granted, I wasn't there, but the the legend is that they auditioned. He's like he just doesn't sound enough like the character. He is the fucking character. I, I, I know. <laughs> they they were specifically told do not do. An audition, ba- do give us an interpretation of your own. Don't do a Harold Ramis impression, mm-hmm. which is exactly why Maurice Lamarche got the role of Egon because he did do exactly what they told him not to do. Yeah, and uh, the original Peter actor, uh, Lorenzo Music, is basically just doing Garfield, which yeah. doesn't sound anything like Bill Murray, but it fits the character. Whereas. Dave Coulier is just doing Bill Murray, and it—I don't know—I don't—I don't really personally care for it. That's, you could, it's a knockoff Bill Murray. It's a cheap man's Bill Murray. It's and it's not even like Bill Murray. It's him as the character from Caddyshack. It's an exaggerated Bill Murray. So I think that's what grates on me. Uh, we have Frank Welker as Ray Stance and Slimer. I got to say this up front: fuck you, Slimer. Uh, always. Uh, Feeling the need to throw Slimer in an episode to appeal to a younger demographic, and especially as a kid, I was a little more forgiving, but as an adult, I absolutely hate Slimer, and he's not needed in this series. How much does it pain you that he became the face of the franchise and not the actual Ghostbusters for the longest time? Well, you got to think that more than half the series was over before that really became the case, Yeah, but it is definitely noticeable, and there was that period of time where almost everything Ghostbusters merch related had Slimer on it, and or was as green, a, or was green, yeah. yeah. And as a kid, that that really dug into me because I'm like, I don't want this. <laughs> I don't like Slimer. I like the Ghostbusters. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing when Ghostbusters Two came out because all of a sudden you didn't see the old no ghost logo. It was the Ghostbusters Two logo and everything. Mm-hmm. And now that so much time has passed, I'm really nostalgic for the Ghostbusters Two logo. But at the time, I was like, Jesus Christ, I just you know it. This is this is too much. So, do you feel that same way with like the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man? Do you feel like he became a symbol more of the franchise than the Ghostbusters themselves? Uh in, in some ways, yes, but not to the degree because, especially in the animated series, the handful of episodes he's in, he's used fairly well mm-hmm. and not as a complete 
punchline like Slimer is used. Like in this episode. In this episode, yes. All right, last up in our principal cast, we have Kath Susie as Janine Melnitz. She is the second Janine having replaced the original voice actress, Laura Summer. So first thing I want to say about this episode, as a detriment, they have changed the look of Janine to be much softer. And this is not a knock against Kath Susie as a voice actress, but she's playing a much more mousy, you know, uh, uh, a feminine kind of voice, I mm-hmm. guess would be the best way to put it. Whereas Laura Summer was doing the thick New York accent and she, her features were really sharp. And I have to say, as a child, before I ever put two and two together about looking at a woman and getting a boner, mm. I think my heart was doing those things because I have such a fucking boner for that type of woman. Short, short skirt, <laughs> red hair, bright, bright green, green glasses. Something about that combination just like shoots lightning bolts to the tip of my dingus. I could see how that would do it, but that's also you're betraying your southern heritage, sir. I don't understand how you could do that to yourself how and your I? racist grandma. Oh, well, fuck my racist grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna break. You brought home a damn Yankee. I just shouldn't necessarily have to be New York, a, a, a northern lady, but but that wouldn't be a disqualifier on my end. Um, I, I just physically that that is a attractive thing to me. Understandable. So basically, I'm saying I want to fuck a cartoon. Understandable. Like understandable. I mean, cartoons were pretty sexy back in and the day. And this wasn't even anime. And then she gets sexy in this episode too. Oh, she does. I mean, the copycat. Not as sexy. sexy as the green M&M used to be, but but pretty sexy. We, have, we, we should cancel her, too. <laughs> we'll get that We'll get that trending on Twitter next. So our guest cast, we have Adrian Barbeau as the voice of Mrs. Campbell. Mrs. Campbell is a character in the episode who basically calls the Ghostbusters because she's having a supernatural incident in her house. And this, this ghost, or we'll talk about it a little later, this entity that has... Uh, upheaved her life and caused all sorts of distress and broken things within her domicile. Those of you who don't know, Adrienne Barbeau is a well-known film actress with memorable roles in John Carpenter's The Fog and Escape from New York. She's the love interest in Wes Craven's Swamp Thing, but I will forever remember her as Hal Holbrook's annoying wife, Billy, from the crate segment in George Romero's Creep Show. Also, Adrian Barbeau has the distinction of being the first pair of bare breast I ever saw in a movie, so I am eternally grateful. So my question to you, do you remember the first set of naked boobs you ever saw in a movie or a on on screen? I do. Tell me. Training uh Trading Places, Jamie Lee Curtis. God damn right. That's a good set too. Because my dad had it was my dad's VHS because he loved the movie. So I just remember watching it. I was probably Five or six when I first like, and I'm watching. I'm like, I had freaking lightning bolt through the tip of my dick at six years old. You know who else is in Trading Places? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, who is in Ghostbusters. Exactly. He just got busted. <laughs> I but like that. That is vividly my first ones I remember because I just remember watch. We watched that movie almost every Christmas when it came on. Anyway, but he had the VHS copy too. So well, <clears throat> that this out. This is all tumbling together. The conspiracy theory is becoming real in my head. While your dad is distracted by Jamie Lee Curtis's beautiful Boobs. bare breast, Santa Claus is just knocking the bottom out of <laughs> out of Bonnie Lassiter. I can see. I mean, it probably happened. That's why I had a good Christmas. There's about six years I had a good Christmas right in a row. You know why Santa Claus 
uh, I, I almost had a joke there about Santa Claus only coming once a year and it fell apart. But so that come went into your mom. I'm disappointed. I, I yeah. know. I should. I should have pre uh, prefabbed these jokes before I uh, tried to speak them out. This episode was written by a gentleman by the name of Michael Reeves. Now, Michael was a mainstay on the Ghostbusters series as he wrote a staggering 16 episodes, including all-time classic "The Boogeyman Cometh." He also wrote the episode Janine Melnitz Ghostbuster, which Fat Tony and I covered on the previous episode, amongst. You know, working on other classics, including Batman the Animated Series and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those shows aside, we're here to discuss the real Ghostbusters. So, Travis, if you'd be so kind to read the synopsis for 1987's The Copycat. The Copycat. The Ghostbusters are plagued at the firehouse by a metamorph dubbed The Copycat. It changes its shape to match anything, and soon there is much animosity among the team, as each blames the other for an act of malice. All right, let's just talk about the episode. Um, the premise of this episode is pretty sim- simple. They get called out on a job. Adrian Barbeau's character is distressed because things have been broken in her house. She has a little shit dog. And I, my first thing I want to say about this is I hate it when people dress up animals in human costumes. Close. My sister is the greatest offender of this. <laughs> she has so many fucking dogs. And, like, sometimes they die and it's great. And then she gets, like, four to, to fill the hole of one. And I'm calling you out, Jolene. You have too many fucking dogs. And nobody wants to see Christmas cards with them in their sad faces where you've crammed them into fucking Christmas sweaters. Nobody wants to see this shit. I mean, somebody does. I think, yeah, her, and nobody else gives a fuck about it. I think it is, I think it's abusive. I really do. Because they don't want to be in that stuff. And like, she got this thing, it was like a reindeer, uh, I don't know what you call it. It like, basically strapped around the dog's ears and like around its chin, and it spent like hours trying to sling that thing (laughs) off its head. It's cruel and unusual, and the dog in this episode is wearing a sweater, and it has like a pompadour. It's got a necklace too, I think. Oh my it's got god! Got a necklace on it. Yeah, yeah. Jolene, get it together. Brandon hates your dogs <laughs> and their costumes. I love too. the I love the dogs. I just don't want them in costumes. They're not fucking show ponies. Like, come on. Sometimes they are. No. You ever seen the Westminster Dog Show? I used to have to watch that when they uh, preempted well, Raw. <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to wrestling. <laughs> Damn right it does. So. The dog comes into play when it is copycatted. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Copied. Mimicked. Mimicked. More, yeah. I guess by, by this character called... Mirrored. The copycat. Mm-hmm. And it... Uh, they come in there and they scan and they can't get any residual readings because there is no... Technically, it's not a ghost. So, I number one... I like these type of episodes generally where it is a situation where they can't use their equipment uh, or at least they have to come up with a way to use their equipment in a different way. That way it's not just the the, it's not the same setup and payoff to every episode. They have a mental task to kind of overcome. However, I don't know that this episode handles it perfectly. That was something I was wondering, like if it's supposed to take like ghost activity, why does it not detect Slimer? Okay, well, that would be you. You have to. You, have, <laughs> you gotta be. I, you gotta think like a kid. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm. I, my assumption on that would be okay. Well, obviously, we know his signature, so we're not sure. counting. We're not counting it. God, you're stupid. Oh, uh, do you also remember what the dog's name was? I don't offhand. Pie face. 
Pie Face. What kind of name is, is Pie Face for a fucking dog? Probably written by <laughs> somebody who hates little yap dogs and they didn't want to pie face them. Pie face them into the streets and get hit by a car like Brandon wants your dogs to do. <laughs> so you had some uh ideas uh, that maybe uh, the times have changed in terms of like some of the racial equality in oh, terms man. of the Ghostbusters. I, I've, I've got some great notes here. Um, I did say that Egon's character looks very metrosexual in this show. Like he's got the quaff hair and all that stuff. Like you could tell he could definitely be going for that. Uh, the eighties cocaine scene, you know, studio 54 kind of crowd. That's what I'm thinking with that. Well, that, 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 that would have been the 70s. Yeah, you know, it's early, thing. early 80s. It's, it's all the same thing. It all works out. You know, they're all like just... Shit, we're almost in the 90s by this point. all just rolling around and, and smut. Talking about hating Jesus. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <what? laughs> Your grandma channeled through me for a second. <clears throat> no, there's some really racist stuff in the show. Like, they uh, definitely, um, they shoot oil all over <laughs> Winston. <laughs> And uh, that could be construed as racist now. Well, uh, it, it is kind of interesting that, like, they always, not always, but a lot of times it is Winston driving the car, almost like he's their chauffeur, and then they have him doing the manual labor. And I don't know that, like, the people who wrote this, I don't know that, the, like, their thought process was like, hey, you know, we've got to keep the black man down. But in reflection, you know, in 2023 eyes, it, it does come off as a little maybe less uh, less representative of you know reality or what we would hope out of reality well and the features of Slimer like we were just joking about it but like just the features of like of, the, of, of him are can be construed as racist yes there there are some scenes where like you get like an exaggerated facial expression and it is a little uh just just think of uh, Forrest Gump with uh Lieutenant Dan talking about Tuck your tuck your lips, <laughs> tuck your lip in. You're gonna get stuck on a tripwire. Yeah, it's it. I mean, you may be reading a <laughs> a little too much into that, but it. I mean, if you're if you're looking for it, you might find it. Yeah, and then you got also they draw Winston in a couple of these uh, scenes, like he's one of the Harlem Globe Trotters with exaggerated features as well. There are some really really strange uh, animation errors in this episode, and. I, some of them, I don't even know that they would necessarily be errors, but we pointed out there's a couple of shots where, especially Egon, not Egon, but um, but Ray and Winston, where they almost looked like children. Yeah. Like, they had really, really, there were, like, no definition on their face. They were really soft features. Their eyes were really big. Compacted down, like, they were misappropriate to the, the background. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> when in that type of animation, that would be done on sales. So, yeah. like, they're drawn separately. So, that that just may have been a, a fuck-up or a time constraint kind of issue. There's one, like, it's over the top of them, and they literally look like like little people in a big world. And then, like, just, like, the phone on the desk was, like, the size of a briefcase. <laughs> and it's green in one scene and, and then red, red in the, the other. other. Yeah. Um, I think the, the most glaring animation error that made us both just gut bust laugh is Ray is coming down these spiral steps. And then he just, <laughs> like, rather than have him walk around, like, the railing, he just... He just phases through it. It's like the the spiral staircase, the size doesn't change. But Ray does. He like becomes a giant stepping off of him. Like it's like it's supposed to be in the background, but it's not. It's like a, just a step off. So when they they go back to 
the the uh, headquarters and Ray and Egon be, being stumped by the fact that there was nothing going on supernatural there decide that they need a little supernatural interactivity in their lives. They're going to work on this dimensional portal, which the thought process would eliminate the need for the containment unit so they could just dump spirits directly into this netherworld, mm-hmm. basically to uh, condemn spirits, good Purgatory. and bad, to eternal hell. Purgatory, yeah. Yeah, for, you know, forevermore. Uh, probably a good business deal. They'd save a lot on energy. Um, and then Peter and Slimer go off to do the laundry while Winston repairs the car because racism. Yeah, racism. Also, Slimer doing laundry just seems, like, stupid, too, because he jizzes green on everything he does. Yeah, and it also, it's it's kind of atypical that, like, they would have... If they had thought a little more about this, they should have had Winston doing that with Slimer. Yeah. Because Peter and Slimer have kind of a butting heads relationship where he just doesn't want him around. Spud. And, and yeah, and maybe that kind of grows and lessens throughout the seasons but i mean we're not we're 88 episodes in we're not you know full bore to you know him being the cuddly like sidekick kind of guy he's still kind of the outlier but uh they go down there and they're washing clothes and uh one of my notes i wrote down is like why would they put the washing machine right next to their super expensive and very dangerous containment unit i mean you're, you're applying logic to an illogical situation. It's also not there sometimes. <laughs> and it's, there'll be the subsequent episodes or previous episodes where it's not there. So shit like that bothers me. I want consistency. Some continuity. Continuity in my animated show about where they wash their clothes. Well, I need to know. Well, it's like in Ninja Turtles where like they'd be like... You'd go through one tunnel and it'd lead to something, and then the next episode it was because something completely different, or or like it that wouldn't be that that tunnel wouldn't be there anymore, and it'd just be a wall, and then the tunnel would be on the other side of the room. Yeah, like I need I need I need geography. I need to, I need to know the layout of of this. I need of this a 3D area. sketch from above of where these tunnels lead. Um, speaking of uh, it's kind of some inconsistencies, uh, and this is something that like I I realized when watching this episode is that Peter's uniform is brown and kind of a bluish color in this episode where traditionally it would be more of a brown and a green. So mm-hmm. that's, I don't know if that is a, a shift in the redesign at some point or if that was just an animation error because I can tell you just by watching this episode, I believe it's it's almost to that point, but not quite. Uh, later on, because of a company called Q5, which was like a consulting firm that they, the network ABC was like, Hey, we need to find out what's wrong with our super successful show and ruin it. Mm -hmm. But uh, they were like, Hey, you need to make Ray not so fat. Um, so they slim him down in later episodes. And then like, he was the only one that didn't have any accent colors on his jumpsuit. So in the later episodes, like his cuffs and collars are like a darker khaki color. And it wasn't in this episode. So I'm assuming we haven't, transition so i don't know and i should know this because i'm the ghostbuster guy i don't know if they redesigned peter's outfit to be brown and blue in the later episodes but i don't think that's the case to be different there's there's also 
There's also one where he slides into a wall and his leg just vanishes. That, like, that was yeah. Win- that was Winston. Yeah, Winston slides into the wall. That was uh, so okay. So the whole episode is them trying to figure out this. Uh, this copycat is taking the shape of things around their house and basically fucking with them. And they see a cupboard door open, and there is a tiny mouse eating a piece of cheese. And they chase after it, and Winston slides into third base and totally conks his nards. Um, into the like the jam of the door, but his leg like there's no way that would like happen because his leg would have had to go around the the door jam and his other leg through the wall and like they just nothing ever happened. I you can kind of forgive some of that because cartoons, cartoon yeah. logic, but some of these things, it's just, it was lazy animation. It's my favorite, one of my favorite things he says in the episode is, I'm about to turn this into Swiss cheese, and I'm like, it already has holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's already holes in the cheese. Like, it's already Swiss cheese, technically. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about cheese to know if there are other types of cheese that have holes in them, but you're more than likely like, correct. Like, if you buy a wheel of cheese and fuck it, it's got a hole in it. Okay. <laughs> is that something you're into? I mean, I don't know. I saw it in your fridge earlier when I was here. I don't have any cheese in my refrigerator. He's you're lying, a, people. You're, he's a fucking, go- fucking you're a goddamn liar. He's fucking lying. I love cheese, but I don't have any. I, I do love cheese, but you fuck that cheese. I know you do it. That's not cool. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, there's also another weird animation part where I think it's Janine, Egon, and, uh, and Ray are standing basically they have their heads poking out of a door yep. doorway and they're they're like almost like 90 degree parallel like it is like an un you'd have to be stepping on like a platform to be able to contort your body in that way what what is it he says is like the uh, there being two you isn't possible or something and the first thing you said is yeah you standing at that angle wasn't possible either <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I'm, yet again it's stuff you can forgive for it being an animated series. Um, I do have some some notes here about all the things that Copycat takes the place of. There are 18 total forms in the episode. He first appears as Mrs. Campbell's kitchen in the kitchen as a cooked turkey, and Slimer is like flying around in there. And I, I, I said it, you were thinking it. He was going to fuck that turkey. Slimer's going to slime that turkey is what I wrote down. He was going to he was going to inject his. Uh, Turd, turd ass, whatever he uses into it is green turd ass into the turkey, chicken, whatever. <laughs> I was going to say paranormal dick, but close, close enough. Um, he he scared Mrs. Campbell's poodle, um, which was named... Pie Face. Pie Face, and changed into it. He hitches a ride into Ecto-1, which is the no-go symbol, which I informed you a little earlier is named Moogly. Moogly. You're welcome. Uh, he deceives uh, Slimer by appearing as a giant hamburger, only to run off before Slimer could take a bite. Um, he turns into Peter Vankmund, and he uh, slimes Winston, who's did, working on Ecto-1. Did by... you notice that when he turns into people, it's almost like an anime version of themselves when they laugh? Yeah, they have like a... Anime face. Yeah, there's more definition <clears throat> in their face uh, to show that they're, I guess, evil. Evil. Oh, and that, that laugh... <laughs> it's one of the most grating things in the entire episode. I was like, you, I, I just looked at it. I was like, yes, laugh sucks. <laughs> it's so bad. So damn bad. All right. He assumes the form of a lamp. Uh, so the real Peter Venkman would uh, take the rap. Uh, uh, morphs into Janine and learns about the trans-dimensional portal experiments. He was going to fuck Egon. 
Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, all up on him. Then he finds out about it. He's like, I'm out of here. No, he's only about that real puss. That's right. He's going to he's gonna get uh, Janine later. <laughs> he, did, he does He does say, let's go lay down or something to that effect yeah. to her. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. I would prefer it to be the classic Janine with sharper features. Of course um, you would. The thick accent. <sighs> Sexy. Short skirt. Well, she was wearing a short skirt. Misogynist. Uh, he hides outside the the lab as a flower vase on the table. Uh, in the form of Egon, he shuts off the trans-dimensional portal's uh, power. He morphs into a sofa in the living room area, morphs into cheese, <laughs> one of the lower cabinets of the kitchen. He morphs into a brain in a jar, and that's actually how Egon is able to find out yeah, which one he is. Because he, he only has one brain. Only one brain in a jar. Uh, he turned into a limited edition Captain Steel comic, and this this part both made us bust out laughing because Captain Steel comes out and he is disproportionately sized so to his small. environment. Yeah, he came out and he was like, "Wow, this dude's really little." Also, I mean, about those lamps you were talking about, one the one scene before, like their arms are one way. Well, I haven't got to the hula lamp. Oh, I'm talking oh, about okay. I'm talking about the big desk lamp oh, or the, the floor big, lamp. You got you, got you. Um, but that's the next one up here, disguised as Peter's hula girl lamp. So. Yep. Say about what you're going to say. Yeah, like, one, one scene, they're pointed to, I want to say, the the right. And then when they, like, about face them, they're pointed to yeah, the, the left. Yeah, the side. And, like, they're, they're different colors, too. Like, they're lighter than the ones that were on the table to begin with. So, yeah. That's because of shadow. Get your shit together, people that are drawing this. <laughs> small, poor, s- probably small Chinese or Korean hands. Uh, Which you like making? Uh, yeah, but these are probably like children, probably like <laughs> making like two cents a day or some stuff. It's it's you're tr- you're terrible, right. terrible, 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 terrible. All right. After being shot by a proton beam, it morphs in, and it zigzags around the room, forcing the Ghostbusters to duck, and they chase uh, Slimer into the water cooler. Assumes the form of Footstool, and last but not least, it changes into Slimer. Now let's back up just to to hair. Because there becomes another obstacle in this episode because when Egon finds out that the two-brain thing, one of them has to be the copycat, he chases it. It takes, you know, its regular form. And because his glasses get knocked off, he shoots the trans-dimensional portal, which opens it and allows... A direct callback to the original movie, we have a terror dog of uh, unknown gender. So we don't know if it's Zool or if it's uh, Vince Clortho. It's beside the point. A terror dog. Pretty cool to see from the original movie. Nice little continuity there. And this, uh, I I think, is only one of a couple of times you see a terror dog in the mm. entire series. There may be some cameos here or there. But I think this is the the most predominant that it's in an episode. Look at me being the special one. There you go. I'm glad to glad to share this yeah, with you. And he finds his glasses off screen. I want to see that. I want to see him find his glasses. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, because they needed uh, they needed uh, another small uh, Korean child to do. 14 hours to animate two two frames of footage of him picking his glasses up. They're getting paid. I don't care. Oh. This is my cartoons, man. Oh. That's, that's horrible. <sighs> no, son. <laughs> he probably lived to be 14. It's <laughs> yeah. terrible. You laughed about that. You're awful. Long life. You're awful. <laughs> 14 years is a long time for some people. Okay, the crux of this episode, and the, one of the things that I can say positively about it, is that because 
The copycat is a thing called a metamorph. It has no ghost form, Mm -hmm. so the equipment won't work on it. Um, So basically, Slimer becomes a utility character, and he's necessary for the story. He's just not used in a way that I particularly like. So they they have him taunt the, the copycat into mimicking it. They said... They said play with it. They did say play, play with, with it. it. And which, I immediately wrote down gay go six. <laughs> we did laugh. We did laugh about that. I mean, when you're a ghost, do you, do you, is there such a thing as gay ghost sex? Is, is, is there, sex? is it just sex? Because it is, can it even be sex? Cause you're not, Slimer is semi corporeal. So, like, I mean, he can interact with his environment, but he's mostly ethereal. So, yeah. I don't, like, what would the sensation be, like, if you're only half there? I mean, ghosts have feelings, too, right? But you're, you're equating emotional investment. No. I'm saying physical enjoyment of two ghosts fucking each other. I need to know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We should just conjure up some ghosts and talk to them see what's going on. I've been bring trying. Out the Ouija, bring I've, out the Ouija board. I've been trying for years. Uh, they they have yet to uh, make themselves known to me. I, I would think that, the, you know, just their whimsical wisps of uh, whatever their bodies are would tingle and touch and everything else. And so you're still holes. <laughs> still holes. They're just covered up by ghost clothes. You can see through them, but it's like, Why there. would a ghost have clothes? Yeah, exactly. Slimer doesn't have clothes. He's got nothing to like. No, well, he's got no, a turd ass. He's got no discernible genitalia to to cover it's up. It's probably under his fat rolls. Because remember when he was? Why would a ghost have teeth, but no dick? <laughs> he doesn't really. I mean, he eats, but why does he eat? He's a ghost. I think that's a poor. That that's actually uh, a form of like uh, punishment. That's basically like his own living hell. He was a glutton in life and and death. He has an insatiable hunger. So he has to eat chocolate. That and other things. Paper. Chocolate. <laughs> what pa- whatever. Why paper? He ate the paper on the chocolate at the end. Fair enough. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Slimer would have probably fucked the other Slimer. But would that be masturbation and not sex? Uh, that's a that's a, a conversation that I don't know that I am qualified to have. I mean, I'm just asking. You're the Ghostbusters guy. I think this goes beyond my uh, my Ghostbuster training. I didn't. I didn't learn about this in the <laughs> seminar. They didn't talk about this in the Smoky Mountain Ghostbusters, uh, or the Foothills Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay, so the the episode wraps up with him taunting him to getting nope. into the same form, <laughs> and therefore, because he's in ghost form, he's able to be captured. No muss, no fuss. Uh, the episode r- wraps up pretty uneventfully, and you know we're off to another adventure. We're in a parade. Yes, there's always a parade at the at the very end. And Brand, you, I did write down Brandon's Hell, two slimers. Okay, yeah. yeah, I I don't I not they use Slimer in the proper way. I'm just the the character of Slimer grates on me, and I I would rather him be in the background and not so influential or uh, instrumental in the outcome of an episode. Because I watch this uh, this show because it's about the Ghostbusters, not because it's about Slimer. But that's just me. Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. But you love that. Th- those were hour-long episodes, and <laughs> the first 30 minutes was basically the same as what we just watched. And the second half an hour was a really, really shitty, basically kind of like a 
Archie comic book kind of you know, goofy cartoon kind of stuff. And the animation was really bad. We will not be covering those on, on <laughs> this podcast. Right. If, like, if we blew up and the, the the desire from the fan base was there, maybe I'd think about it. But I, I highly doubt that there's people like, I gotta know what happened in the fucking Slimer episodes. No, that's not happening. All right. One so, day. All right, we gotta we gotta render a verdict on this, and there's two options: does this episode make you feel good, as in busting makes you feel good, or is this episode just plain busted? I'm gonna go ahead and render my verdict, and I'll allow you to do yours. I'm kind of on the fence, to be honest with you, but I'm going to say busted. But I'm gonna say busted just by hair. This is almost a good episode. There's just a little bit too much Slimer for my liking. Um, I'm kind of the same as you. Like I was sitting here thinking, like. You know, I hadn't watched the episode of this in a long time, but like I would say busted and it's a lot of it's because of that laugh. I feel like they overused that laugh a whole lot and then instead of it being like ha ha funny or whatever, it just got to a point. I guess as an adult I'm just like, Shut the fuck up. I yeah, but that. it wasn't menacing either. Yeah. And it like, was just like I, I don't know what to describe it as. It's like a bad Joker laugh or something. Like oh, that. totally. Yeah. yeah, very, very, very bad. Like, I work in a haunted house and I only dress as clown kind of laugh. Yeah. Which is the worst kind of person on the planet, in my opinion. And then I just, the whole the, the whole scale of little to big was kind of hilarious. Which that's a thing in 80s cartoons, but I think the laugh is what kind of pulled me away from it. You, you don't like Slimer as much. I mean, Slimer didn't really bother me, but then again... I haven't watched as many episodes as this, so I don't know how bad Slimer can be. No, Slimer gets way worse. Yeah, this, so. I would say this is, on a scale of like, you know, one to five, five being the worst, this is maybe like a three and a half. I, I'd say busted by a cut here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. All right, we're going to take a quick, a quick, a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to switch on the PKE meter and check out Busters from Toyland from 1990, so stay tuned. <laughs> The real Ghostbusters will return after these messages. Ghostbuster Bulletin. Ghost in the house! Never fear, our new super weapons are here. Each sold separately. A ghost! Exit charge of Slime! Miss! Another one! Fire Ecto Blaster! Got him! He's back! Rubber meter ready! Fire! Ecto Blaster coming soon. New grab a meter and Ecto Charger each sold separately. New from the real Ghostbusters. Alright, welcome back, Rant Army. Switch on your Ecto goggles because we've got a Class 5 full roaming segment headed your way as we take a look at episode 126 of the real Ghostbusters, better known as Busters in Toyland. However, before we get into the mood-slimed covered episode of the real Ghostbusters, I want to talk about our respective Saturday morning cartoon viewing habits. So what were the can't-miss Saturday morning cartoons of your childhood? Oh, man. Cartoons of my childhood. Uh, Turtles was definitely <clears throat> at the top of the list. Uh, then you had... I would be like... I, I'd always start out with, like, Looney Tunes or something would come on before. I loved that. I loved... Uh, Tiny Toons was a hit for me. I liked Sonic the Hedgehog. Mortal Kombat had that short-lived cartoon that came on after WWF Superstars and, that is, and stuff. That, that's so lame that you're nostalgic for that. Get, I, I, get the fuck out of the Black Lodge right now. I just remember <laughs> although, it. Although, after 
the episode we just watched, yeah, it can't. Mortal Kombat might actually be an improvement. It can't, it can't be worse. I, but man, I love Turtles. I loved uh, Power Rangers. Uh, that wasn't a cartoon, but it was a show. You know, came on Fox part of the time. That was. Uh, did that come on Saturdays, or was that like a, a through the week kind of thing? Uh, that though? was when it hit like syndication. But the new episodes would come on at like ten o'clock on Saturday morning. Okay, they have like an hour block. I mean, I guess <clears> it's <throat> sort of the same the same yeah. thing. A show that is specifically aimed at a younger demographic. Yeah, I mean, then there's probably man. If I sat down and just like looked back at it, there's there's a lot more, but. The turtles were my big one. Like when I was a kid, that was that that and wrestling every Saturday morning was my was my thing. Like we watched Ninja Turtles, GI Joe. I remember they did the reruns of GI Joe. I'd watch those. Uh, my brother was a huge GI Joe fan, but I uh, I ended up with all his toys and stuff. So then that led to me watching the cartoons and everything. Not that stupid second run GI Joe bullcrap they tried to pull. Uh the the series <laughs> from after the movie or are you talking about GI Joe Extreme and Yeah, all that shit and then like no, and the series after the movie too. I was I would, you could always tell the difference. Well, the animate it was a different animation yeah. studio and yeah. Cuz I think I even asked you one time when I was buying I bought the box set of the original cartoon. I was like, "Should I buy this?" and you're like, no, 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 you're good. You're just, good. Just, just stop. Basically, go to the movie and, and don't even don't even own the movie. Just don't even watch it. Yeah, pretty it's, much. It's not that good. Big bad Beetleborgs. Oh man, <laughs> uh, Street well, Sharks. Shout out to our brethren on Project Louder, Big Bad Beetle Bros, who unfortunately have wrapped up their series, but had a, a definitely a cult yeah. following. You know, chronicling the rise and fall of the short lived. Fox Kids series. And another one I watched was VR Troopers, but I can remember watching it before school, like when it was back, when it was in syndication, not Saturday mornings. Like they, they just tried to comp, like jump on all that, uh, Japanese, like Sentai footage and stuff. It was a, it was a smart business model by Saban to, you know, get the footage for basically peanuts and shoot some kids and pay them nothing for the wraparound segments and sell it to an American audience. Bobby's World, man. Remember Bobby's World? Hell yeah, with Bobby, <laughs> with um, uh, Howie Mandel. Yeah. God, fucking yeah. Howie Mandel. I hated the uh, human segments. Just don't, don't even talk to Bobby. Just let Bobby have his world and be done with it. Fair enough. Fuck yeah. you, Howie Mandel, in yeah. real life, I guess. Fuck, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Livewire, bitch. WWF. No, fuck you. <laughs> Action zone. No. All right. I asked both both Jason and Fat Tony these same questions on previous episodes of You Just Got Busted, but I want to get your perspective as well. We live in an era now where, I mean, you, you're recently married, you know, mm. coming up on a year, right? Yep. Coming up soon. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, presuming that eventually there's probably going to be some little, little Lassiter children popping out of some, some holes eventually. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about them growing up in a world where Saturday morning cartoons do not exist? Man, it, it's it's a sad thing because, like, to me, that was my um, destination viewing for me as a kid. Saturday mornings were mine. Like, I, I'd get all my toys out and watch cartoons and I'd have my wrestling matches or I'd have the Turtles versus whatever villain I had, you know, set up. Like, it just stuff played out in my mind, like those battles happened or you you had your cars, you played for those 30 minutes, then you moved on to the turtles, then you moved to the wrestling figures. And all this is while you're either watching that cartoon or leading into the, you know, the next cartoon to get to your spot. I mean, that's kind of the way I did it. Um, 
And then that was, you know, it's kind of sad that that's not a thing now. And like, I could even after school cartoons and stuff aren't really a thing as they used to be. Uh, well, I mean, there are networks dedicated entirely to, to cartoons, and with streaming, everything is available at the touch of your fingertips. So there is checks and balances to it, but it's just a different experience because being a kid and if you didn't see it, you didn't know if you would ever see it again. Yeah. You might catch it in reruns. You may not. And there wasn't like physical media for like television series other than like, like Star Trek. You could buy like, you see those commercials like, you know, get the original series on or, vol- a 20 volume VHS Or set. you'd buy like a turtle tape. For, with yeah, random episodes. With random episodes. It'd just be like Pizza's Revenge or something on the bottom. So you didn't know what you were getting until you sat down. It, was, it wasn't like a storyline or anything or a story arc. It was just, just random, random things. Random episodes. And, and oftentimes uh, the episodes I remember uh, from my childhood are the ones I owned on VHS. Mm-hmm, because I watched so many I, times. Yes, exactly. You got your money's worth out of them. Yeah. So some of these episodes, like the one we're covering today... Kind of slip between the cracks and probably for, for, for the good, for good the better reason. Reason, yeah. All right, well, let's get to it. The episode in question, Buster's in Toyland, uh, was originally aired on December fifteenth, nineteen ninety. I think it's kind of interesting that we picked two episodes at random and they both debuted in December, and neither one of them are Christmas episodes. Exactly, and you, I noticed you said that we were on episode one twenty six, and you have an episode guide sitting here. There's only 134 episodes, so we're towards the end of this run. Yeah, well, I mean, also, we're not including the Slimer episodes or the sequel series Extreme Ghostbusters, which I would cover. Yeah. Slimer episodes, definitely not going to happen. All right, even though these episodes were chosen at random, like I said, it's, it's sort of interesting that they both are... in got released in December, and neither one of them are... Christmas episodes, but this episode focuses on a different holiday, that being a birthday. So we covered Christmas. Let's talk about birthdays. What was the best birthday you ever had? Best birthday I ever had was 1996. Um, and for it's just memorable because we had a huge hurricane come through our area. That sounds like the best birthday and, ever. Well, and the thing that was is it, it, it was during the time we didn't have power for like two weeks. My birthday fell into it. So we would moved all into the living room and stuff. My room that had torn part of the roof off and everything. And I got just an ass load of Power Ranger stuff like Megazords, all this stuff. And I can just remember it because my mom cooked my cake on like one of those hurricane heaters uh, like to make me a cake. Because we didn't have power. And uh, so I got to open all my toys and like it was hot as balls. But I was out there just playing fucking Power Rangers and everything. And I think that one sticks out to me just because of what all was going around me at the time. But like I I played with that stuff and kept it in immaculate shape and sold it later on in my life. Which I fucking should have punched myself for. But like I took care of my toys and stuff. And I can really remember it starting with that one because it was like we could have lost every fucking thing and then I wouldn't have yeah. had, you know, anything. So I, I just took care of everything after that. And it was like a big, big, uh, mark on, uh, me. And I was, I was like, I was nine. So I could still remember it. Like it was yesterday though. I mean, I had a lot of great birthdays growing up. My, you know, I just, I can't, I can't speak ill of, you know, the things that my parents did for me, yeah. you know, parties at parks and, and stuff like that. Just a lot of fun cookouts. But oddly enough, my favorite birthday of all time, was last year 
Because mm-hmm. I spent my birthday at FrankenCon doing a panel with Brian Bremer and, you know, getting my picture taken with Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy and... Uh, it's getting blown. I wish. I, that that would <laughs> that would have made it the best birthday anybody ever had. Uh, but it was only the best birthday I've ever had. Uh, Darcy, the uh, the balls in your court. Literally. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, um, it's it's uh, it's undersized from what you're used to in your line of profession, but um, it's very attractive per uh, per uh, per peer review. I will say she just needs to get some a uh, better choice in wrestling, and uh, maybe she could uh, step up a notch. No, I could introduce her to some better wrestling. <laughs> that's that that's, that's something I could bring to the universe. Maybe I could balance fates out that way well and and i could see like some of my older birthdays have been kind of more memorable because of like the people i spent it with and the things i did but i guess the one that sticks out from my childhood would be 1996 well i mean that's that's definitely one to be proud of and that i mean the fact that you got to do anything under the circumstances is kind of great just in of itself yeah no that was it was it was a crazy time hurricane fran she was a bitch Mm, well fuck you fran yeah dresher Uh, Admittedly, I'm a few years older than you, so I was more the target audience back in 1990, which was 33 years ago for the record. Man, that just does not seem right. So it's fair to say that pop culture has changed considerably over the years. That being said, let's check out what was going on in the world back then. Mm -hmm. So on that day, music legend Rod Stewart would wed supermodel Rachel Hunter. Do you know who Rachel Hunter is? Yes. God damn, she is still fucking hot. Fucking Rod Stewart, man. They they would stay married until 2006, where he decided that he needed a younger model to be married to. <sighs> That's got to be a shitty thing to come up and say. Is like, you, like you're still you are hot, but you're hot for anybody other than me. I need a younger model, babe. I'm sorry, you're out. He's still alive, slinging, slinging. He's probably uh, popped a few blue chews in his I life. Would say so um, to get that pecker hard, but um, good for him, dude. He, he's not an attractive man. He's so, just not an attractive man. Well, here's the funny thing about you saying that. Side note: um, Rod Stewart is my mom's hall pass, and I wish to God I did <laughs> not know that. The the yes. the the most uncomfortable conversation I have ever had in my life was when my mom and my stepdad watched the movie Hall Pass because they didn't understand the terminology and inevitably throughout the movie they're just throwing out like who they would fuck if they had the opportunity and I was like I you guys shouldn't be fucking each other let alone other people <laughs> but my mom would totally bang Rod Stewart and my stepdad would do Gina Davis she he, he was like very very complimentary of her gums which I've never heard anybody say he's got nice gums he literally said that people, I'm like people used to say you have nice teeth yeah but, nice but, no, but he, he's phrased it that way she has nice gums I just want to rub the tip of my penis over her gum line Oh, God. <laughs> You're welcome for that oh, visual. God. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do you think the number one song on December 15th, 1990 was? I guarantee you will not get this because I would have had no clue. Dude, if you, if you don't, you wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have known. This has got to be some like random pop shit All from right, like it's, 1990. It's called Because I Love You, the Postman song by Stevie B. Fuck, I never don't think I've ever heard that song. Um, what's funny, I actually looked into this, tried to find some things up about him. There was a guy named Stevie B and Stevie T, and they both charted within weeks of one another. How the fuck does that happen? And nobody remembers 
either of them. Also, a little uh, piece of tidbit of history. This guy, Stevie B, performed at Fanboy Expo when they did their pop concert of One Hit Wonders. Like, is that song associated with a movie or something? No, or not- just just a one hit wonder because the 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 postman song like the movie postman didn't come out in 1990 so no. I don't think so the, uh, iTunes that on the way home it's not good <laughs> it's not good it is so milk toast van- <coughs> vanilla like Millie Vanilli almost uh, M- Millie Vanilli is much better than this even the stuff they recorded that wasn't sang by no. better singers all right what do you think the number one album was 1990 number one album man I have such a hard time with years and you're gonna music. kick yourself cause cause uh, cause it's something tied to you something tied to me it's gonna be like Garth Brooks or something no so this album is called To the Extreme, which was the debut album of Vanilla Ice, who a, oh, who a year later you. would go to record the the immaculate single Ninja, Ninja Rap, Rap, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. It was number one for eight weeks that year. Jesus Christ. 1990 was not a good year for music. I would have never guessed Vanilla Ice, though, just because, I don't know, I just never visioned him having a number one album, but yeah, that, that fucking... It happened. It happened, and that song was a fucking phenomenon that I still have to hear from time to time. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, he robbed He He stole that. He did. Should not have him on the side of a building. I wish he had dropped him. <laughs> you know, here's a funny story about Vanilla Ice. So, I used to date this girl, and she was working at the comedy barn, and casually she tells me, oh yeah, this guy named Rob Van Winkle is here. And I'm like, Rob Van Winkle, how the fuck do I know that name? It was Vanilla Ice. Ice. Vanilla Ice loves redneck comedy. I can see it. Yeah. So evidently he is in our general neck of the woods of the Black Lodge from time to time. Rides his motorcycle and says things like, word to your mother and such. And enjoys, you know, probably shooting guns and... Yeah, people with buck teeth and uh, cousin fucking. God damn it. He, man, like, for him to be like, like, to come off like trying to just take the rap genre as his own and then he turns out to be like that. It's like, you're such a fucking poser, Stop. man. Collaborate and listen. You're Ice a is back poser. with a brand new invention. Fuck. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know the rest of the cause, words. Because didn't he do fucking death metal later or something? He like did he the tried, same song. Yeah, he tried to do some fucking death metal. Like, Jesus Christ. It was rap metal, but <sighs> the point the point remains. Flint Biscuit was better, right? Is that the and this may be the only time Limp Biscuit was better than anybody. <laughs> um, what do you think the number one movie was Ooh, 1990 in movies. Damn, 1990. It's not. It's not Ninja Turtles because Ninja Turtles came out before the December. I can tell you that, like, as soon as you hear it, you're like, "Oh yeah, it's a, it's obvious one." Hit me with it. Home Alone. Fuck. Yep, I should have known that. 1990. I just yeah, I thought it, that was like 92 or something. But that would have been uh, Home Alone. Dude. I almost said Escape from New York. <laughs> Home Alone to Escape from New York. Yeah, that's the the crossover everybody wanted. So I'm gonna go out a limb and say you do not remember seeing this episode as a kid. I know because this is god awful. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that right now. Like, if I would remember this, I would. Yeah, I'd probably gouge my eyes. I was a kid. Now, before we uh, watched the episode a few minutes ago, I did remember this episode specifically because this is one of the few 
that the character of Lewis Tully appears in. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him as we go on. But let's talk about our principal cast and just get that out of the way. So we have Dave Coulier, the second Peter Venkman. We have uh, Maurice LaMarche still as Egon Spangler. We have Buster Jones, who is the replacement for Arsenio Hall. What did you think about Buster Jones as Winston? I immediately knew it was not Arsenio Hall as soon as he spoke. Because I was like, that's I literally thought he was like, that's somebody different. I mean, I didn't think he did a terrible job. I think he is a better replacement than uh, Uncle Joey is for, yeah. for Peter. I will, I will give you that. I still like Arsenio's better, but yeah. Arsenio, they, they really downgrade the Winston character when Arsenio leaves because Arsenio was sort of like a star on the rise. Yeah. So they, they wrote more for him to do, even though, as we stated in the last part of this episode where Winston was still kind of subjugated to the manservant racial inequality sort of aspects, you know, at least in hindsight, but yeah. he, he was given more to do when it was Arsenio when it was Arsenio and he becomes more of the token fourth member, which is a discredit to Buster Jones because I mean, he's a well-suited voice actor, you know, transformers and tons of other well-liked things throughout his career. Uh, we also have Frank Welker as Ray Stance and Slimer continuing on from the beginning all the way through the end. Our guest cast, we have Roger Bumpus as Lewis Tully. Now, Roger would go on to become infamous for voicing Squidward on SpongeBob SquarePants. Mm. Were you a SpongeBob fan or was that past your scope? Uh, a little, little past my scope. My, my nephew, my brother's son, um, was a huge SpongeBob fan. So I watched a ton of SpongeBob when I like babysat him and stuff, but SpongeBob was a little past my prime. It was, it was well past my childhood. And I can unequivocally say I fucking hate SpongeBob with a passion. So dumb. I, and, and I'm fine with stupidity. And I think, uh, my cutoff of why I don't like it is because it's a half an hour long. Mm. If it were a 15 minute long adult swim show, I probably would be more apt to enjoy that kind of ridiculousness. No, yeah. but I really like story and plot and character development and not just, Oh, I'm goofy and have a big smile. I want to go eat a crusty crab, and yeah, it's just it's just needlessness. Sandy squirrel. I know I'm probably offending like a, an entire generation of people that worship the ground, and I love Tom Kenny. By the way, Tom Kenny, who voices SpongeBob, is hilarious. Uh, hear him do his stand up. He's he's a very very dirty comedian. Right up our alley, exactly. And then him doing a a kind of goofy SpongeBob character just does not do it for me. Yeah. So this episode is significant because it's one of the few of the series to feature the character of Lewis, who was brilliantly played by Rick Moranis in the original film. I'm assuming the decision to include him in the later seasons of the show was motivated by the release of Ghostbusters 2, him having somewhat of a you know mm-hmm. a bigger role in terms of the plot of that film. Um, I have to ask, though, from your perspective, and it's really got me thinking watching the episode, why do you think the Lewis character was not in the show from the get-go. I don't know, because it would have been a a good character to bring over from the movie series. Like, I mean, we didn't have any Janine in this episode. And, I mean... That's true. There is no Janine. I don't know why they wouldn't have brought him over more. Excuse me. My... My thinking, and this is just coming from the, the the logical situation, is that because they they probably made the choice of like, 
of how many principal characters they're going to have in terms of like paying voice talent. True. And because, I mean, they're getting Frank Welker and they're paying him a premium because he's the most sought after voice actor of this or pretty much any generation with the exception of maybe Mel Blanc or, you know, a handful of others, but they're getting him to play multiple roles. And a lot of these people, they end up doing a couple of roles to kind of justify their salary, but um, they probably didn't include Lewis for financial reasons and because you already have Janine kind of filling in the, the, the spot of like the extra person who can be the... Auxiliary character, the, kind yeah, of. or the point of reference, the character who asks questions that the audience is thinking, yeah. but the Ghostbusters can't ask themselves yeah, or each other. That is a good point. They'd had to pay two people when they could just use her and only have to pay one, and then have a female talent on the show as well, kind True. of bringing that. But yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity because you did have Rick Moranis fans out there that probably would have liked to seen kind of how that character would have played out in the cartoon form. Well, I can tell you what character I had no interest in seeing play out. His fucking nephew? With uh, uh, Josh <laughs> Keaton as Lawrence Tully. Now, buckle in, because this is about to get s- super interesting. Josh also lends his voice uh, to the real Ghostbusters episode, The Haunting of Heck House. But his major claim to fame was he was a member of the 1990s boy band No Authority, who were signed to Michael Jackson's label MJJ Music. Uh, I'll refrain from the obvious Michael Jackson pedo joke. I was about to make it. So, No Authority (laughs) disbanded in the 2000s, but Josh has had a successful career as a backup dancer for Britney Spears and has continued as a voice actor, most recently voicing Spider-Man in the Disney animated series. Do you remember this boy group, No Authority? It rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you what they sang or anything. I just remember hearing the name No Authority, but... I, I, like, I looked up some videos and stuff to see, see if it, like, jogged my memory. Mm. Zero. It is, it's the same thing as, like, Stevie B. It's, like, as if it didn't happen. It's almost like we've collectively erased well, s- certain parts of music how from are history. They fucking band from, like, 1990 to 2000 with nothing. Like, I, that's what I don't understand. Well, I mean, there, there is stuff. I'm just saying from yeah. the public consciousness yeah. of remembering them, I, I have, I don't remember ever seeing them, yeah. hearing about them. It's as if they never existed, and if it weren't for the YouTube, the they vid- wouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah, the video, the videos would be lost to time. So I just thought that was funny, and it's kind of in- inspiring, I guess, in some ways that like you know you you kind of hit this thing and you think it's going to be your claim to fame, and then it fails, but then you find something else. Because so of it, kind of. He got a he got a redemptive arc, and I mean he's making more money than either one of us, so I can't feel too badly for him. And he's fucking Spider Man. That's a lot better than being Lawrence Tully. True. And in a pedo boy brand with Michael Jackson. Yeah. So maybe that's how he got so many... um, Opportunities. Yeah, opportunities. If we want to get to the point, you just (laughs) drive it home. All right. Next up, we have our villain, Lothar played by Patrick Penny. Patrick has lent his voice to a couple of other Real Ghostbuster episodes, including Future Tense and Kitty Cornered. His career goes all the way back to the 70s, and he worked on such show, shows as Black Star, G.I. Joe, uh, Centurions, but I'll always remember him as the voice of the fish Ghoulie in Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. Fuck you. I love Ghoulies 3. 
Needs a fucking <laughs> U.S. Blu-ray release. I'm waiting for that shit. What, what's the VHS you always try to sell at these shows? That's, <laughs> a, that's Ghoulies 1. <laughs> Ghoulies on VHS. <laughs> hey, I did, I, I, we just did a Retro Fest, me and Fat Tony, uh, this past week. And for the longest time, I've had a copy of House 4 on VHS. Mm-hmm. And I put it out on the table, and every person who would come up and look at it, I would say... You got to buy it. House four. It's the fourth best house movie, mm-hmm. and it made someone laugh. And you're like, God damn it! I'm gonna buy it just because of your pitch. So I finally <laughs> sold House four on VHS. <laughs> it only took two years of cons <laughs> and toy shows. All right. So um, this episode was written by a duo, Mark McCorkle and Bob Schooley. Mark and Bob also wrote for Cops, the New Kids on the Block cartoon, which is also something I had forgot had completely existed. I- yeah, totally forgot that. It did a Swamp Thing and more recently episodes of the Disney animated series Kim Possible, which was a very popular series. I have no point of reference as to whether it's good or not. It's probably not good it's because not. it's Disney, but... It's a red-headed teenage girl who is a crime fighter. You know more about it than I do. Yeah, because I'm telling you, man, having nieces and nephews around this time is the only reason I really know. Um, those properties I just mentioned aside, the real Ghostbusters is why we're here today. So if Travis, if you be so kind to read the synopsis for Busters <clears throat> in Toyland. Ah, Busters in Toyland. A demon trapped inside an ancient cuckoo clock snatches Louis Tully's nephew, Lawrence, from his birthday party. The Ghostbusters come to the rescue, but Peter is sucked into a dimensional portal. Okay, right off the bat, this episode sucks. Yeah, Peter. Peter getting sucked into the thing is uh, is is more like we got sucked into a unintentionally hilarious episode the, that that should never have been made. These guys that wrote this fucking episode had to be all like fucking acid or crack or something because this is fucking bad. The the premise for the episode is not even it's not it's not good. But I'm gonna I'm gonna forgive them to some extent. The things that are wrong with this episode are mainly technical. Monumentally bad. There are so many animation errors or just cutting corners in this episode. Still frames. Yes, there's so many still frames. And the there a lot of times and it's it's hard to do in animation to have the voice like the the lip movements match to the audio, but there were points where they didn't even try. So no. what whatever budget they were giving these little Korean children in previous seasons, they've had to have cut it in half by this point, and they're they're on like animation strike. There's one point they're in the toy store, and I let you said Ray's mouse moving, and there's no words. There's coming no out. words coming out. <laughs> there's no words coming out. Uh, not to mention later on in the episode, you pointed something out uh, where there was an instance of two Winstons. Yeah, they're both getting out of the car at the same time. It starts out as Ray turns into Winston, and then. They just walk off together. And then I, I was right. Had to. I was writing down so many notes that I kept missing stuff. There were so many bad things in this episode. So the framework. You're, there's like a toy store in New York, and there is a clock that is somehow an interdimensional portal to this place called Toyland, mm-hmm. and it is a prison for this entity called Lothgar. Yeah. Who uh, is. Kind of looks like a Boglin. I don't know if you remember Boglins. They were like uh, toys from the from the early eighties. Yeah, they're kind of like kind of like hand puppets. I think we talked about them at a t- one of our toy shows one day. Do we very because somebody had one. I from, believe I believe we did. 
But yeah, they they were very popular. So I don't know if it was they were trying to harp on that or if it's just a coincidence. Um, but he because there's okay. First of all, there is a character by the name of Sam who is repairing this clock that they make a point to say it didn't work in a hundred years. It's like, why the fuck are you working on it? Why are you working on it now? In the middle of the night. How do you know it's broken? Maybe it's just set up like this. I don't know. And it's also, um, unintentionally hilarious viewing it through the lens of an adult because you have so many disjointed moans and it's like him, like trying to crank this thing and you can't help but laugh because it sounds like he's jacking off. And he's in the dark. He's in the dark, and he gets he gets interrupted. So I'm thinking that's what he was doing. And he's like, "Oh no, I'm fixing this clock." And Has it worked in a hundred years? That makes more sense. Yeah. That he got caught jacking off, and then he fixed this clock that was broken. Yeah. And caused this interdimensional portal. So Lothgar uh, sends out three entities, and they possess these toys. There is a dinosaur. A like a gremlin samurai and then kind of a transformer kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, kind of knockoff transformer that changes color sixteen times in the same episode. <laughs> oh, the color changes are so vast. It was like every two seconds, Travis is like jumpsuit different. The color, no, it's di- it's different color. He couldn't he couldn't even keep. His t- <laughs> he didn't have an undershirt. He had an undershirt. It's purple. It's pink. It's 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 cream colored. Yeah, they they just threw whatever <laughs> color they had handy in in the moment. Uh, yeah, it was v- very bad, but. So, Lewis is having a birthday party for his nephew, and my first question is, like, why, why, where are his parents? Now, they they quickly rectify this by saying they went on vacation, i.e., they do not love this child. Fuck their son. And normally, I'd be like, well, they're terrible parents, but I'm going to side with them on this one, because this, this little shithead... He gets all these presents at this party they've thrown for him. And he's like, oh, I already have this, I already have this. And he's like throwing, not even being generous. Like, oh, thank you, but I already have this. He just throws it on the ground. So, well, Isn't that their fault, though? Because they raised him that way? To be a spoiled entitled piece we don't, of shit? We don't have their side of the story. So I'm going to I'm going to err on this. I want to err on the piece of shit side of the story. I'm just saying that, like, if you looked in the back of his head, there's probably a series of sixes, and he was born of a jackal. Fuck this little kid. I can't... He have blonde hair. I can't stand him. Can't stand him. He could that, be a Hitlerite. Oh, my God. I solved the puzzle. You did. That's it, all, it all falls into place. So, they're throwing this party, and because Peter owes Lewis $50... He's indebted to become Vanko the Clown and entertain these kids. And you find out, surprisingly, he's an excellent juggler. And Egon, who uh, previous to this, we were unbeknownst to his abilities to make penis-shaped balloon I literally think they did that on purpose because there's like this one shot of the balloon that's long and he moves his hand up and down it about twice and then he moves it around (laughs) and it turns into like a five-pointed star or something. I don't know. I, th- I this is one of the points of the episode where I actually got kind of angry because when you see Egon and he's in the firehouse and they specifically gave him a new attire like a everyday an everyday attire yet when Lewis and Ray are at the toy store Ray is wearing his jumpsuit so I'm trying to put myself in the the headspace. Is this Ray like, oh, I want someone to recognize me because I'm starved for attention, 
or is this a cost-cutting measure? Now, my first indication was it's a cost-cutting measure, but then why would you go and give Egon a different attire? Or maybe he just dropped by and he was just in his work clothes. He's like, yeah, man, I'll go with you. <sighs> now, if I was a Ghostbuster, I'd wear the uniform all the time. Yeah, you gotta, so you gotta I can, advertise, man. I can, I can appreciate that to a point, but at the same time, it, it if you want to create an immersive world where it feels a little more we- real, like having them wear their attire in extracurricular circumstances just feels needless. If any of them were going to do it, I guess it would be Ray, but I, that just, that just bothered me because if it had just been a financial thing and Egon had wore his jumpsuit when he's doing the thing and be like, okay, fine. But then again, they still, they drew Peter as a brand new character. Um, And you can't even tell it's Peter other than the voice. That's it. It's just a stupid, you know, uh, looks like Cookie the Clown from uh, Bose of the Clowns yeah. Sunday Spectacular Show or whatever it was called on WGN. <laughs> the Chicago Network. The Chicago like, Network. Everyone got for some reason. It was a, it was a super station. Uh, and also, you forgot to mention, man, Slimer's pretty cool on the drums, right? Oh my god! Yeah, he's playing. So the, they open they open this birthday party with Slimer playing drums that were pots and pans. Like the rash, like they're just poking the the bear now in terms of like let's see how annoying we can make this character and still keep this show going. Not much longer. Ninety um, one's a cutoff, and we're like at the very end of ninety, so we're we're getting close to the the event horizon of the you know the the heat death of the universe that is the real Ghostbusters. Thanks, Slimer. However, as bad as Slimer is in this episode, he's still not the most annoying thing about it. Uh, Freaking Lawrence is. God, I hate Lawrence. Also, Doofus the Dinosaur. It's a good name. <laughs> it's his, his voice was uh, very... Uh, oh, Doofus the Dinosaur. Yeah, the, those three monsters change size so much within the same shot that it became comical to watch them uh well, they, they start out as like little statues like you would put on the like a counter and then they turn into when lewis grabs them in the store they're as big as he is yeah they're like the size of his torso and then when they get he gets delivered they're in a box maybe the size of you know a little bigger than like a cereal box and then they open up and they jump around and i don't know that the point is, is that they kidnap this kid. The transformer turns into a ship that changes. That's like Joseph's Technicolor dream coat. Yep. It's every color of the rainbow, and it shoots him off into that clock into Toyland. So this whole thing is that Lothgar needs a human sacrifice to be able to take his place. And this is where we realize that this is supposed to be a Pinocchio in, uh, I can't even think of what the area where the, the kids become doggies. Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island. It is a Pleasure Island parallel. And it is done so poorly. The only connection is that uh, Lawrence's ears turn into the donkey ears for. And he grows a tail. Well, in the tail, yeah. yeah. But that's an interesting idea, but it's not presented in a way that's compelling or, you know, there's no literary illusions. But they did a lot of that stuff in the series mm-hmm. where they would do, uh, uh, like, uh, ah, crap, this Scrooge story, uh, Christmas Carol. Yeah. And, and then they would have all these things and they would kind of tie them in. There's a lot of literary reference points throughout the series, H.P. Lovecraft and so on and so forth. So I thought, okay, this is, they're going to show kind of a, a 
dystopian or dystopian that's not the right word a more comical version of the pleasure island being toyland and i don't know it it didn't work for me and i don't think this worked for anybody definitely didn't uh the the ground changed colors like six times (laughs) green and yellow red and yellow and when when lothgar uh is first engaging with lawrence it is he's basically grooming him I can't put it any way other than like this was this was like seeing someone try to give the kid candy and get his bloomers off. He was DTF. He was DTF, and he grew in size. Yeah, in his hand. In his hand. <laughs> <laughs> literally, he did. He's in his hand, and he grows. Oh man! So yeah, he turns into <clears throat> this big dragon, and that was probably the coolest he looked in the episode because he was not intimidating in the least. And the Ghostbusters take care of the problem. They escape, and this episode sucks. Well, I mean, Lewis is one that saved the day. He runs up, like, bear hugs him and everything else, holding on to him, and chase him down. Well, good for Lewis. I, the only person who loves this kid who does not deserve, you know... It's nephew, damn it. The, the, they have the balls to have the redemptive moment for for Lewis as nephew. I want to be a real Ghostbuster. He pretty much says like, oh, you know, I learned I was being a real dick. Like, no, you didn't learn anything. Like, there was no, you didn't have a character arc. He just decided like, oh, well, some bad things happened, so I'm going to say the right things. Um, now take me back to my party because it's I've had a party. bad. It's my. It, you've ruined my birthday, basically. But I'm going to say the nice things to to wrap this episode in a nice tiny bow. We we still got the slimer jizz in the episode though. Always get that. <sighs> There was there was quite a bit of slammer jizz. And you know what my thing is, and it's a vast difference from the show we watched earlier. Because not only the intro, the intro is different. Uh, it focuses more on Slimer now. The intro, Slimer is the one that saves the day at the end. He's the one that presses the button that captures the ghost, not Ray. Ray captures the ghost in the first episode we watched. The Ghostbusters actually did the job. Now it's Slimer doing the yeah, job. Yeah, I think I think that Ray has been the most shortchanged in the yeah. two episodes that we watched today. Slimer's it's, the Slimer's the hero now, not the Ghostbusters. It's evident here. All right, I need you to I need you to tell me straight up, and I think I already know the answer to this. But how do you feel about the episode? Is it this episode busted make you feel good, or is this episode just plain busted? As much as I'd like to say this made me feel good for all the laughter we had because of finding all the fucking errors and continuity and still frames and colorizations, this episode is busted more than a fucking crack whore in a trailer park. She is is busted. It's so fucking busted. Yeah, I'm gonna say busted as well. If if I'd watched this episode by myself, I wouldn't have laughed nearly as much. I still would have laughed at a couple of things, but I would have been more angry. Watching this with somebody, it kind of ironically became fun, but it wasn't a good episode. I was just like, what the fuck is that? And then like, I saw the two Winstons and we had to rewind to see the two Winstons. And that was a personal highlight. And then I was like, I think that's a technodrome. <laughs> it looked like a technodrome down in the corner. And it kind of did, but yeah, the whole Winston thing, that was wild. Like, how do you make that error, like, that bad of an error when you're drawing a cartoon that you're paid big money to, to, to do? You have two Winstons. White guy turns into a black guy who's in front of you, like it's like it's. That's the that's the premise of uh, C. Thomas Howell's Soul Man. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right, before we close the containment unit, let's use the randomizer app to decide what next two episodes we'll be covering. On you just got busted. All right, 
All right. This thing goes forever. There's so many episodes. Have a will for wrestling recommendations. Episode 75. Uh, if you wouldn't uh, do me the pleasure of looking that up. Uh, Victor the Happy Ghost. Victor <clears throat> the Happy Ghost. I vaguely remember that episode. Originally aired October 15, 1987. It was written by Michael Reeves. Well, I wouldn't take that that sheet I gave you as gospel. I've come to realize that it is uh, a little on the incorrect side. On the incorrect side. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll just read the name in the episode. All right, next up, to close out uh, our, our, be our fourth episode, we have... How does Janine change? Or not now, Farmer. Not now, slimer. Not now, slimer. Not now, slimer. Oh, shit. Episode two. That's going to be great. That's back when it actually good. Killer what? Killer what? I do remember this episode, and the voice actor for the Shredder, James Avery, is the voice of Killer what? So that's going to be fun. September 20th, 1986 is what this says. So 90, uh, 1986, before I was born. Now, take that with a grain of salt, but we'll definitely have more info on it on the next episode. Now, before we set up the protection grid on the containment unit until this episode yeah i'm just fucking up i'm fucking up left and right just tell me what's going on with wrestling wrestling ruined and wrestling recommendations we're actually charting with wrestling ruined right now yeah we're charting with wrestling road right now it's funny we haven't recorded an episode since september 20th or september of last year i believe um i really i, I would love to get that back on track I, I loved hanging out with the guys doing wrestling ruined and talking about uh, terrible wrestling from 1995 uh, we're, we're King Mabel, baby. That's what I wanted to get to. We got Jesus King Mabel. Christ. So, I think I think you've moved on to better pastures so, so, so. And, and more more interesting yeah. topics of with wrestling recommendations. Yeah. What you got going on there? Wrestling recommendations is a the podcast with me and State Dick Eddie, where we uh, we spin the wheel, make the deal every week, and discuss discuss a match that's coming up. Uh, currently out there right now is Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit from Wrestle uh, from Royal Rumble two thousand three. It's a star making performance for. Mr. Benoit, I know he's a taboo subject for people, but can't deny the man was a spectacular wrestler well, between the ropes. By the time this episode comes out, that may be a couple of episodes back, but I mean, it'll be in the archive and you'll definitely be it'll able be to a, check it out. I'll be in those archives. Uh, we, we've got a, we've got uh, wrestling spanning for 40 years. I mean, even it's about to be a little bit later than that because I'm about to put a Dusty Rhodes Billy Graham match from 77 on the list. So, oh shit. From Madison uh, Square Garden. Yep, I'm very excited about that. So we're going to throw that on there. Uh, Probably the most recent episode we're about to cover is going to be Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Henning from, uh, I think it's 1986, their hour-long Broadway. Um, we discussed uh, uh, possibly Brandon making a run-in on that one. You're supposed to remind me this morning. Yeah, sorry about that. My bad. We'll, 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 we'll I might that. or may not be on that episode. Yeah, well, we haven't recorded that one yet, so you got plenty of time. All right, just remind me. But, uh, but yeah, he's um, it, it's it's a star-making performance for um, what, who would become Mr. Perfect um so be sure to check that one out and i think we still have around 270 something matches to go and we're always adding stuff every day so and on top of that i just bought a new external hard drive so we'll be downloading more wrestling than ever to yeah we're we're talking earlier earlier about uh pirating all sorts of things (laughs) well i pirated a a hulk hogan promo from 
Thunder 2000 because it's not on the network. And I know Brandon was super excited when Jesus, I found that. Jesus Christ. It's his return after he laid down at Halloween Havoc. I'm sure these people just love the wrestling. Yeah, talk these, we're losing subscribers <laughs> left and right. I keep from Ghostbusters, not from wrestling. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. We'll be back to fulfill all your paranormal elimination and podcasting needs very soon. Till then, the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast can be found on a multitude of platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So please go give us a sub right now if you haven't already. You can follow us on social media at Rants Black Lodge. And for the love of Slimer, go to our web store at RantArmy.com. For Titty Flip and Travis, this is Brandon A. Lane signing off. Till next time, Rant Army, keep busting. Hey.